Welcome to Fried, the Burnout Podcast, Season 5. The goal of each Fried episode, whether you're an entrepreneur, parent, employee, or otherwise defined, is to create moments of spontaneous healing by ensuring that you feel seen, heard, connected to others, and validated. By doing this, Fried fulfills its mission to kill the shame, blame, and judgment associated with burning out, and Fried adds to its original goal of creating a movement to hashtag end burnout culture. Should you need a coach, Fried coaches are standing by to help guide you through recovery. Book a call anytime by visiting the links in the show notes. Should you need a speaker, you can hire me, Kate, and you can rest assured that your people will have fun and learn about burnout at the same time. In the meantime, I'm ready to give you this week's episode, which will help you heal just a little bit more, starting now. Hello, Fried fans, and welcome back to another episode of Fried the Burnout Podcast. Today, we get to speak to someone who I have spent a little bit of time with in some networking calls. And every time she shares her pitch in the beginning, we're, we're supposed to give 15 second pitches. And every time she shares hers, I feel like I want to be her friend. So here we are. <laughs> so here we are. And today we're talking to Vanessa Zami, who is also known as the business defibrillator. I don't know why I can't say that word right now. And that is on its way to being trademarked, which is really cool. And that is a business. Vanessa is a business expert, a keynote speaker, a best-selling author, and a professor dedicated to helping purpose-driven business owners calmly and confidently succeed in full-time entrepreneurship. So hi, we're in entrepreneurship season. Are you ready for this? Through her consulting company, Your Visions Catalyst, Vanessa works with high-achieving, ambitious CEOs to increase their efficiency, productivity, and profitability so they can reduce overwhelm while growing their profit-producing, purpose-driven business. Say that three times fast. Vanessa has been featured in Fast Company, NPR Marketplace, and on numerous stages. In her spare time, Vanessa enjoys running and living by her mantra, have fun, make money, and share, which includes Harry Potter, musicals, and dessert. You share desserts, Vanessa? I love sharing food though. Like I love, it's like a great way to, you know, when you see the menu and you want like five things, you just ask the person, Hey, you want to share? And then you just kind of get something and you share. It's great. It's great. That was when I first met my husband, I said, we were at a restaurant one day and I said, listen, um, I'm going to eat off your plate. And if you're not okay with that, this is never going anywhere. So let's just, let's just throw this out there right away, because if, if that's uncomfortable for you, there's no shot here. That is true. That is true. I mean, you just gotta, I mean, it's just a natural thing. It's like, I'm not gonna if you go somewhere. Like I, I want to try other people's food too. Like, I don't just want the one, one thing I very rarely, but I just want the one thing that yeah. I ordered off the, the one flavor. Right. Yeah. The one. <laughs> I'm so here for that. All right. So as per every episode, we will start with your burnout story and then go from there. You have the stage. Right. Yes. Okay. So essentially, what do I start from this? Okay. So what I start with is my corporate America career. So so my burnout story happened more so in my corporate career. So it was before I was running my own business, I was in corporate strategy, first as a strategy consulting, traveling around. And then I switched companies. So I went to a different company that amazing culture, amazing culture. I was like, oh yeah, I found it. I found my place. So inclusive, diverse. Oh, it's great. Oh, this is awesome. Okay. So then I had my boss (laughs) and 
You know, they say one person makes all the difference, right? In your experience. And let me tell you that one person made all the difference in my experience. I'm not going to name names. We're just going to keep it at the boss. <laughs> With that being said, though, the at the second company. So at first, so like the first three months is when I realized that he, he wasn't the one. And, but I had like, but this company was so like, the culture was a great, the people I've met around the company was awesome. So I didn't want to just like leave and redefine my life because of one person. Like that just didn't make sense to me. I was like, what? That doesn't make sense. There must be a way, right? There must be a way. But ultimately what happened was I read Rashad Poor Dad. I then decided to start my business, but wait, I kept my business while doing my day job. And this is where things happen. So I kept my business while doing my day job. I did that intentionally because not all of us have the privilege of departing um, immediately. So I got my day, day job. I'll do my business out in uh, Northern California at the time for those who were in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, with that being said, so I did that and I was like taking PTO like vacation days um, for those who aren't familiar, taking vacation days. So I go to different conferences and network and all that sort of jazz. Because by that time I had reached a place where it was like, okay, clearly there's a pattern here in corporate America <laughs> where this may not be a long-term thing for me. <laughs> so clearly there's a pattern. Um, so I know where my loyalties now lie in entrepreneurship, but I still need to deal with this main job, which is now becoming my, you know, my, um, I was speaking to someone the other day. It's like, when you have your, when you're doing your day job in business, right? Your day job is the main financier. It's like the lovely investor of your actual business. So you still want to, you don't want to necessarily get fired, but you know, you're not going to stay there forever, but you don't want to like quit. Cause it's like funding your business. It is great. So I've since like left the day job, but ultimately during that time, um, this was within the first year of my business actually starting. Um, so at the day job, and there was a point in time though where I ended up in the HR office a couple of times intentionally because the relationship between my my boss, me and my boss, had reached a point where I was just like, okay, I'm out of options. Like I have done different strategic things to try to navigate and work around, and I'm at a wit's end. And so I ended up in the HR office about four times, and with the same lady, amazing spirit. At first, she didn't believe me, obviously, but I was very persistent because I was like, this is the actual problem and you will understand if this person is a problem. Um, and then finally, she started to understanding my bad boss was just narcissistic. Now, what ended up happening was that when it came to the burnout perspective, it was like more so a toxic environment because now, and what I tell people, you were the core of your business, right? And so even, or you're the core of your life in general, but also as the entrepreneur, you are the core of your business. So you need to make sure that you are keep staying you know, together. But most of my energy during the days would be spent on either like thinking about this boss, like reflecting on our relationship, trying to think, oh my gosh, like why is it not working, et cetera. And then ultimately the burnout happens when, and it was one of the things where I don't think about like stress is not in my vocabulary, so to speak. And so I've never actually used the word stress. And so for me, if someone had said, you know, like, oh, but that's stress is like, no, because I enjoyed the work I was doing. Like I enjoyed the strategy work. Like I love strategy. Hence why I'm doing it even now. It's my full-time business. But the boss itself was what was a problem. And it wasn't until I ended up in a, I decided to do my annual physical, went to the doctor, et cetera, you know, and I was like, okay, things are great. You know, they, you have high blood pressure. And I was like, maybe that's stress. I did just have a meeting with my boss this morning, you know, and that probably did, you know, impact to this disappointment 30 minutes later. Hmm. Okay. But ultimately what ended up happening also was that I ended up getting these things on my fingers and this was when I actually had started going live as well on Facebook. Uh, well, not just a couple of months prior me starting live, but it's essentially the effects lasted for a good six to eight months before my fingers actually recovered. But what it was, was that my fingers ended up like becoming purple and blue and then like extra swollen. Like I have very skinny fingers. And so you could tell when the, when the fingers are swollen, like it was like huge. 
And at first it started at one finger and then it would go to another finger where there would be like a little button, a little like, and then it would swell up and then the whole finger would swell up. It was a, it was a whole thing. Um, but ultimately I then went, to, I would go to the doctor, right? I went to the doctor like, hey, this is the thing happening to my finger. And they're like, hmm, you haven't seen this before. Like, oh, okay, that's comforting. All right, cool. So then she would refer me to another doctor. And the doctor would, so I went to a blood doctor, a bone doctor, the OBGYN, and all these people would see my fingers and be like, huh, what? Hmm, interesting. How about, like, and so, and each time I would visit them, it was actually eight weeks of visits. Eight weeks, every single week, I visited a different doctor. Um, and every single week, they would, they would order lab tests, blood tests, like, and it was, like a lot but anyways every single day they would, they would order these tests like at some point I was tested for lupus we were just like I, we don't even know what's happening and it was like every time it was like hmm you seem healthy but clearly you're not because visibly we could see that your fingers are swollen and purple and blue and at some point it was like started on my right hand it started spreading to like my left hand and it was just like it was it was bad. okay but also like what ended up happening the reason why that happened and the thing is that you know for those who may be listening maybe you don't know that you're burned out but it's one of those things where it's looking at, okay, there are signs, right? And for me, that was the sign, right? Like mm -hmm. it was, you would have think that maybe the sign would be that, you know, perhaps I was at the HR office every couple of weeks and maybe I was like, but no, that wasn't the sign. The sign was this visible thing that was happening that all these doctors were like, huh, I've never seen this before. What is this? We do not, I was like, what? I'm like, I know I was born left-handed, but I'm not that of an, much of an anomaly. Like, what is going on here? Like, okay. Um, so anyways, with that being said, uh, and then, you know, ultimately, then the pandemic happened. And so, and this is actually, yeah, sort of, so then the pandemic happened and then the hospitals were closed. So it's just like, I just kind of had to deal with this whole finger swollen thing. Um, and, but the thing is that, how do, why do I say that? It's, that? it's like, you end up going, you have these signs, right? These signs that your body's approaching burnout. And the good thing for me is that I like listen to signs, not, not always in the most obvious way. So then, you know, the universe sends you a bigger sign. It's like, wake up and you're like, eh. They send you another bigger sign. And so eventually some people, they just end up in the hospital and that's their wake up call. Um, and ultimately, well, technically, I guess I didn't end up in the hospital, but I didn't end up in the hospital overnight. But with that being said, my sign was the, the 12 fingers, right? And for me, it was, but here's the thing. I still didn't end up, like in theory, I've been like, man, this, this job is really stressful. Let me like leave this boss, leave this company, even though I love the culture and I have my business and I'll just go all in, right? Or whatever. No, that did not happen. That did not happen. Hey, no, no, not. <laughs> it did not happen because ultimately what happened was that, yes, it's a toxic environment. I think anyone who's in a toxic environment, right, could get, understand like, yes, it's a toxic environment. Yes, maybe you feel like you are, your body is clearly strained from something, right? And not only that, but also, as I mentioned, this is within the first year of me, having my business, right? So there's also that whole, you know, level of, okay, like I had this goal for my business, but it's not theirs here. And how do I do that? And this and that, and all this other jazz. Um, and though there were things happening that, because uh, this, within the first year was also when I released my best-selling book. Um, and when I met some great connections, but it's still the first year of business. So, yeah. and I like I say, entrepreneurship is a marathon. And so all that is happening, trying to get this business going so I can eventually quit the toxic job, right? but then the business was still not going. And so I did still had this toxic job to help me grow the business. But then you had this toxic, toxic boss and it just, the effects just ended up just coming together um, to be visibly shown. But I still kept the, kept the job. Why? Because I was like, well, you know, it's still the right time to quit. I remember actually there was one time and this might be, so this might be another burnout signal that happened, but I was getting dressed for work. It was in the early morning. It, it was the end of 
it was mid-December, so right before the holidays. Um, and I had just returned from visiting my family in Massachusetts earlier in the month. Um, and so I was going to be in um, California for the holiday period. But it was early morning, around 6 a.m., and I was getting ready for work to, like, get on the train and commute over um, pre-pandemic times, you know, commuting. Um, but with that being said, I then remember those, and I can't even remember what it was. Oh, I had done this thing where I, like, wrote the money I wanted in my in my business, et cetera, like on a check, right? And I post a check right next to the door. And I remember at some point my doors closed and I approached the store and I could see the door, the check, and I could see my closet where I'm supposed to be choosing my outfits for the day for work. And technically, I'm a very efficient person. I don't like really like the whole process of clothes and shit. So I renew my outfit, technically speaking. I was like, okay, this will say this blouse, this pants, whatever, rotating schedule. Um, but ultimately, I remember I got to the closet and I was just looking at the closet and I just started like bawling out tears. Mm. And actually, I think I'd also, I went running that, that morning as well too. Um, and so that just added to all the, all the things, all the, all the energies, um, because that season, what I also realized was something else that was happening. You know, they say running helps you calm yourself down. It helps you to release emotions. Nope. I took <laughs> during that toxic time, whenever literally I would go running and I was like, I was at the end of the run, I would turn home. And I felt worse than I did when I started running. Like, I felt like I wanted to punch a wall. Like that, like, it was just, like, everything just blew up everything. Like, it was, so anyways, with that being said, I'm sitting at this closet and it's just, like, tears, like, snot. Like, it was just a whole bunch of, like, it was, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, what is going on? And then that's actually around the, it was around the second or third month of the whole finger thing happening. Um, And it was just, but again, oh, but then I also got a promotion at work. <laughs> Because I managed to strategically find my way to make that happen, even with a bad boss. That was a whole other situation. Um, really great at playing chess and track. But with that being said, um, I had a promotion at work as well, too. So then I have all this stuff. I'm okay, do I toxic environment? But this, oh, the salary increase, six figures. Like, what do I, uh, OMG, all this stuff. So it's all this stuff that just, like, essentially came into my mind. And, yeah, it was a lot. But with that being said, and I still kept the, I still kept the job, though. I kept the, that the money spoke to me, right? Because I was like, this is not for me. This is for the greater purpose of my mission and vision. And I need to ensure that I'm making my business, I'm investing what I need to invest in it. And I can just deal with this toxic boss and environment. While the finger swelling kept on continuing, the lab test kept on continuing. I was like, I do not want to be a lab rat. I can, I feel their pain. Um, and it just kept on going and going and going um, until eventually the pandemic put a stop to it. And so, you know, I know people listening, their pandemic was like the worst thing for them. But honestly, for me, like the pandemic was when, it, things literally stopped. Like they stopped the way they needed to stop. And I say that to say, because of the pandemic, I didn't have to come into work and deal with my bad boss. Mm. And it was something that I had realized. I mean, even a couple months prior, I had asked, okay, I'd asked him if I could work remotely. Cause I realized when I went on the one week vacation to Massachusetts and I was still like working some of the days, I was like, oh, Okay, okay. The real issue is when I'm around the same space with the boss. That's that's the toxic environment, right? Like if you if you don't need to deal with someone via email, you can manage that. You know? But if it's like once it's in person, it's like a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level. Yeah, that mixing and of energies so is a big deal. Exactly, exactly, right? The energy is a big deal. And so I'd asked for working remotely and they were like, no. Or actually not, they were my boss was like, no. The HR was like, oh, it depends on the team. Like, we don't really have a rule for it. It all depends on the team. My boss was like, no, this team, no, right? So ultimately, it wasn't until a couple months later when the pandemic happened 
literally they sent that email and I was in California at the time, California, just like New York and one of the first states to just be like, all right, the end, like, and no, no outside things, no, 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 all that sort of that. So they shut down completely. What that meant was that our company also shut down. They were like, okay, well not shut down, shut down, but um, they were like, the yeah, office is closed. The office. Yeah. Yeah. Offices closed, et cetera. Um, and I remember I got that email and I was like, hallelujah. So, and then a hummingbird flew by the window and I was like, it's a sign. It's a sign. <laughs> but ultimately that was the, and mind you, my fingers are so swollen, et cetera, um, at that time. But it was, that was the beginning of a sort of a new age for me, a new age of relief and calm, because it was through being away from that toxic environment. I then was able to reset myself and reset my business and reset a sort of how I navigated the team. And then it was about three to four months in, the finger swelling actually went down. And we finally, I decided to do some online research on this. I was like, okay, these doctors clearly don't know what's happening. So Dr. Google must know. Yeah, right? <laughs> Literally, I don't know. Um, but I found what ended up happening was this thing called chill blades or something. Um, and it's a very rare thing that happens, but to some people in very dry conditions, it like happens to their skin. But I've been living in California for 10 years. That never happened before. Right. Yeah. And so it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, it happens to people when they're in winter dry weather. Yeah, I had been in California for 10 years. It had never happened before. Right. So clearly it was connected to the toxic environment that I had kept myself in, I guess, so to speak, um, or that happened for me, you know, whatever you want to say. <laughs> but ultimately that was my story or that is my story. And there's probably a lot more in that, but yeah. There always is. And so there's a few things that I think are really critical here. The first one is when you realized really shortly into this job that this manager was no good for you. Mm-hmm. Your initial response was to try and address it and fix it. Right. Like not even, not even directly with HR. Like it sounds like before you even went to HR, you tried some interpersonal communication, some really basic sort of a boundary. I don't know exactly what you did, but it sounds like there was some, some attempts made right from the get-go to say, well, this isn't quite right. Can we shift it? Do you remember what you did? Because the thing, yeah. the reason that I want to talk about this is because I know that there's a lot of people that are stuck in environments that don't suit them. Sometimes it's because the person is toxic. Sometimes it's because the environment just isn't right. Some people just can't be living in New York City anymore and they need to get the hell out. And it has it's not, you know, sometimes it's a it's a whole system, but we do tend to make a lot of efforts to make it okay for ourselves. And then instead of recognizing that the soil is poisoned, we decide that we are somehow messing up, but it sounds like you tried to do something. So what, what did you try to do way in the beginning? A few things. Um, and it was about, before I even went to the HR office, I had tried for nine months to do different things. Um, and so, cause I also, cause for me, I was like, okay, cause part of it is like when I approach, and this is a overall greater thing. When I approach people, I was like, okay, well maybe he doesn't know that he's bad. Right? Like maybe he's a bad boss. He doesn't know that he's a bad boss. Right. Like, like, cause part of it was like, maybe he's just a good, a good person. And he thinks he's a, but it's just the way that he's leading is not, he just doesn't know that he's not leading properly. And, and, and what I will share is that I wasn't the only person on my team who had the same concern. Yeah, of course. And that's what also helped me as well too, because I was like, 
other people on the team also had like it wasn't just oh he was picking on Vanessa it was like no this is just him as a leader it's just it's not a good Suck leader it. right um and it's narcissistic toxic whatever it may be and so the within the first three months what I when I realized was that okay he doesn't like to give credit for things right mm. and so I then took the stage of okay let me meet other people in the company so they can understand more about the work that I do so that when they're when he's in the room with the feedback and development right? They'll know Vanessa, <laughs> okay? Right. They'll know who Vanessa is, right? That was number one. Another thing I did specifically with him specifically was during our discussions, I was like, like, for example, one of the main concerns I had or one of the things that came up was that he wasn't really, like, he didn't really have direction for the team. Like, mm. there wasn't really a direction. So if you as an employee, you're trying to get better and do better and move up the ladder, you're probably asking the question, oh, okay, well, what are the things I need to work on? What are the milestones I need to work on? What should I be hitting, um, you know, to get to this next level, et cetera? And so I was like, you know, I put this whole personal development plan in place. It was like, you know, try to get feedback on it and we would like discuss it, et cetera. I mean, I would ask some questions like, so what do you think? It's like, well, what do you think? <laughs> and like, he just, he just didn't have clear direction or a plan for the team. And that, that, that problem persisted for many, many a time, um, unfortunately, but he, it is that, so that was the thing there where we tried to have that discussion. I was like, okay, well, he's not going to help me with my career. So I need to own it myself. So that's what then led me to discussion with other people. Um, and then from there, I also then, okay, tried to get other projects like outside of the team to try to expand the skill set that I needed based on what I was told or what I could ascertain um, because I wasn't told much. And ultimately it was just trying to, that's how I still got promoted because I was still managing my career outside of him. Yeah. And it was just like, and then also his, he wasn't good at giving clear direction, which is like, okay, you don't get clear direction. So let me ask questions to try to get the direction that I need to keep moving forward. But there was another level after that where, okay, you get the question, you get direction, or you think you got direction, you do the work. And then it's like, he had a different perspective of what was needed from the very beginning. So then finally he tells you what he wants and it's like, not what she presented. And so and he yeah, I would have done this time. right the first time if I knew what you wanted. Exactly. Or if you were new, it's, and I think part of it was like, he never knew what he wanted and Until. Or he was confident in saying it. It was either one or the other. Yeah. Um, but ultimately that then led to the team, me, other people on the team, like whenever we get a project, it was like, okay, it was all a lot of like reworking, a lot of yeah. just like doing things all over again or doing things like restarting. Um, and that was just like, yeah. And the thing is that he, one of those like people who kind of just, you know, can just exist in the world. Cause they're like, you know, uh, people give him the benefit of the doubt. He's one of those mm. people who people give him the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. right? Because of the way that he looks and the mm-hmm. way that he is. So mm-hmm. with that being said, it was, that's why the HR, we had to meet a couple of times because she was just all like, listen. <laughs> and then once I met with the HR person, I was like, okay, clearly I'm not an expert at interpersonal communication. Let me connect with an HR person because th- these nine months, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to connect with her, right? And so then I connected with her and she gave me some new sort of skills and tools in the basket. And the first meeting, she told me something um, that I had already tried. And I was like, you know what? Let me try with her specific dialogue. Let me see if that works. Um, so I did that. That didn't work. She's like, really? That what he said? And I was like, yep. And then we tried something else. And like, it just, it kept on me this whole trial and error situation. Um, and so ultimately, she finally admitted, okay, there clearly is some leadership thing that needs to happen, um, et cetera. And yeah, and it was unfortunate. I was pretty much the only person on the team who um, was sharing my grievances with other people. The other people on the team kind of was doing what you just said, right? Where they had the issue, 
but they were like, I'm just going to complain about it and just live with it and deal with it and not really try to fix it. And yeah. so the other people on the team, that's, that's the approach that they took. Um, but me, I was just like, yeah, no, <laughs> I was like, I am not doing this for 40 years. Like, no, like, absolutely not. We are going to change something. And it was fortunate for me that even within the first, it was like, so now we're on 10, but if we go back to the very beginning, is within the first three months that someone actually told me about the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. And that was the book that actually changed my life because it was within the first three months, I'm sitting here, I'm at this new job, great culture. And I'm realizing, oh my gosh, this is like another bad boss. And I was like, how do people make their way to being bosses? And he was three levels above me. I was like, how do people make their way to being bosses? And stuff like that. And I heard the story of how he did come up. Um, And... And the thing is that in the very beginning, I had like, oh, he's going to be so helpful. I was praising about him. I was like, right. And then my eyes opened around month three. My eyes truly opened around month three. Um, and that was, you know, one of those fortunate, unfortunate things. And where my eyes opened in terms of like the boss he really was slash wasn't as well too. Um, and because of that though, I was like, okay, I don't like, I've done the nonprofit route. At some point, I wanted to be a doctor. I definitely decided not to be out of Um, And now I'm in corporate America. I was at this, you know, terrible culture, but like great work. And now I'm at this company that has great culture. Everything is perfect except for this one person. Okay, the universe is telling me something, but I don't know what it's telling me. I don't know any other routes. I've done nonprofit. I've done for-profit. Like, I don't know what other routes they can possibly tell me. Um, and so that's when the book Rich Dad Poor Dad actually entered my life because one of the VPs of the company, um, they recommended I read it. I don't know what I had said. I didn't, I didn't reveal all this to them because, you know, you don't want to tell people that you think about legal when you're at corporate America. But uh, but they, for some reason, thought that I should read that book. And I read that book. And that was what introduced me to entrepreneurship and small business. And that, that was sort of my, my shining hope. It was like, okay, there's something else. There's another uh, way. Uh, there's still this current path. <laughs> so let me like still do this current path and like do this new path. But there's still this current path, right? And for those who are doing the day job of business, there's always that, you know, beginning stage where you're so... You're still, you still have that employee mindset. You still have that I work for someone else mindset. But at some point, your business becomes your main priority and your day job is now treated like your side business. It might be a nine to five side business, but it's, the, it's ultimately your side job, so to speak, is what ends up happening. And so for me, that was that didn't happen until like literally after this whole finger swelling thing and all that sort of jazz. That's when I said, okay. This business is my main thing. I'm now confirmed. I'm determined. Okay, cool. I was already determined, but now I'm like confirmed. We are in the employer mindset. Like this job is a means to an end. That still didn't make the environment any better though. Um, but it was like, at least it was sort of like the only way I could, the only sort of tether, the only sort of tether I could keep um, to like why I was keeping that job. And I remember even during the time of me visiting HR and the finger swelling, there was even a moment where, and it was because of that experience where I can like, I see how people get to the stage where they like, unfortunately shoot up their offices. Like I see it now. And like, it was like, there was a, a moment I remember walking out of the office and I was approaching the exit and I could see a parallel universe where I was walking in and I had a gun in my hand. Like it was yeah. a scary thing to think about, but I like that, that's the point where I had reached. Like that, literally the point that I had reached with the situation was that point. And it's unfortunate. And well, it's fortunate that I end up not doing that, but it's unfortunate, but it's like, and I can remember this, like, there was this part, this like nerve cell, this nerve signal is a certain part in the right side of my brain. And I feel if it had been twisted a little bit, a little bit in a different direction, but a whole nother story. It would have been over. Um, yeah. And 
it's it's a uh, I mean it's a, it's amazing thing about even today <laughs> this how what where I have come the past couple of years but yeah but it was it was like one of those experiences that was just like oh my gosh oh my gosh um and it's a good thing I didn't get to that point but yeah yeah and so I think the thing that's really critical that I want people to hone in on and I'm gonna slow I'm gonna talk slower today than I normally do because you talk faster than I even talk so I'm gonna slow down for both of us so that you can just be you The thing that I think is really critical to hone in on is you can't outwit an environment that doesn't work for you. You cannot pretzel yourself enough. You cannot change yourself enough. You cannot make enough coping mechanisms. You cannot get there if it's not right if it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Right. And I think that I want to say that a couple of times right now, because you had the purported sort of good view, like I'm not going to be the victim. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take this where I need to take it. I'm going to do everything I can on my own. Then I'm going to ask for assistance. Then I'm going to, you used every ounce of agency that you had. Right. And so I have a a bit of an issue with the spiritual world with like, you know, you create your own life. And in this situation, you creating your own life is you got to get the hell out of there because you literally cannot. You could not. You did everything possible to make that environment better for yourself. And it just wasn't there. And so I, I if. I know that there's somebody listening right now that's like, holy shit, that's me. If you've been waiting for a fucking sign, this is it. If you have been pretzeling yourself, if you have been shifting and changing and adjusting and sending good vibes and meditating and working on communication, and if you've been doing all the things and it's still wrong. I don't care if the outside of it is because it's toxic or because it's just not the right fit. I don't care which one of those things it is. But if you've done all the things and it's still not working, that can't be a part of your life long term. If you need it to survive, again, we're back to the privilege portion of the program today. Not everybody can just quit tomorrow. I didn't, I couldn't quit when I was burnt out either. I had to work through my burnout. I didn't have the option of just like floating around for six months and healing. If I did, I would have. I don't think that that's bad that anybody has that time. If you have that time, please take it because hell yes, like amen, take it. But not everybody can quit tomorrow if they're in a situation that's not working for them. But your solution is is not going to be found within the situation you're in, your solution is going to be found somewhere else. And you need to remove yourself from soil that does not feed you. Yeah. And the next question that someone probably has is where is that someone else? Where, where, where is that somewhere else? Right. And the thing is that for me, it was, 
you know, because I even think about like it was a VP at the company. We have having a conversation about life and vision, and we just happened to connect because we were both from a like low income background. But mm-hmm. if people had met us that day, they wouldn't have like known. And mm-hmm. so we connected on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just felt like this was a book that was profound to him, so he passed it on to me. But I remember I was telling my friends about this, right? They were also in corporate America, and they were like, "Yeah, it's just the way that it is, right?" And so sometimes that somewhere else is not your friends and family. Yeah. So that somewhere else is literally somewhere else. Like it's just somewhere and someone else who you would just least expect. But it's yeah. first you got to open yourself up to the possibility. Because I remember uh, I was on, I was kind of with someone else, right? And they pointed out to me that that when that book Rich Dad Poor Dad came to me, right, I actually read it. Versus other people, they get they get a book and they like keep it, and then five years later, someone else mentions it, and then they read it. Like yeah, yeah. five years later. But for me, it was like I had been at the space where I was open to something else. And so when that something else came and I read the something else, it then resonated with me. Because well, I, you were I looking for a solution me. the whole exactly. time. Exactly. But I didn't know I was looking for a solution. I was like, oh, I'm just, I don't know. Can you I weren't necessarily looking for a solution in that book, yeah. but you were looking for a solution to the situation that you were in. Exactly. The whole time. Exactly. And then when one showed up, you were like, oh, shit, look at that. This is it. We're going to run with it. <laughs> I was like, this is the solution. We're just going to run with it because it's the only thing we have right now. <laughs> Other than, you know, it's like, we're just going to go with it. Um, uh, you know, we're going to keep doing the, the stuff in the office, but they're all going to have some outside the office and we're just going to see what works the best. And ultimately, outside office ended up working out the best. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the in office, it's like, you had mentioned something where you had, you had asked me, it's like, you tried everything that you could. It's like, yes. And I did that intentionally so yeah. that I could say I tried everything I could. Like, it wasn't, uh, oh, this bad thing happened. I just gave up and decided to do something else. For me, it was like, I didn't want my life to be defined by one person. Like, to me, it just didn't make sense yeah. that this one person would cause me to switch my entire life where I could right. put myself in the danger to be homeless and all sorts of stuff because I made a decision based on this one person. And so ultimately for me, I was like, okay, what can I do within my power or what can I control to like at least still stay even though this person is toxic but try to make it work and all that stuff blah, 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 so that I could then by the time I leave say you know what I did what I could it is what it is <laughs> and now it's time to go I did what it's I could my go. fingers blew up <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> like I did what I could and then I couldn't function like a normal human so there's that yeah. Right. And so now you're in this place where you've built this business and you're helping people to grow their businesses without burnout. From your perspective, how do you do that? How do you help people avoid that? Because your burnout wasn't when you were in charge of the business, right? You were in a different perspective at that time. So, so how does that work in your world? Yeah, and it starts out with like the first thing that comes to mind um, when you ask that question is because for me, what kept me going? Like when I talk about that nerve signal that like if it had just been a little bit off, I yeah. would have had a gun in my hand. I probably would not be talking to you right now. Yeah. Right. When I talk about that moment where I was crying at the in my closet, staring at my closet, I was just like, I don't want to go into work today. Like this is like, it's, how is this my life, et cetera, just because mm-hmm. of this boss, not because everyone else at work, everyone else at work is amazing. But just yeah. this boss, right? And when I talk about those experiences, what literally kept me going, the only thing that kept me going was my business. The, the, like the only thing that kept me going was like the possibility that I had around entrepreneurship, around business, around my company, Call Your Visions Catalyst. Just the, the idea that, because the idea of my business came to me in a trance. So I remember mm-hmm. Chad Poor Dad, 
but the business wasn't automatic. Oh, okay, now I'm gonna start the business tomorrow. Like, no. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until a couple months later when I woke up on a Sunday morning and the I literally woke up in a trance. I grabbed my laptop, started typing away. Um, and then I looked up for my laptop three hours later. I'm looking around my room. I look back at the laptop. I was like, oh snaps, is this a business? <laughs> and then less than a month later, I had the the brand was done, logo, registration, website, address, PO box, all the stuff was already set up less than a month later. And then I had my business. But my business came to me in a trance. And that is what kept me going was knowing that, okay, this environment is not the one, but there is hope in this other thing, right? Yeah. Even though it may not be where I wanted to be, but there's hope in it somehow, some way. And I didn't just accidentally fall upon it. I didn't just accidentally, like someone said, Hey, you should do this business. Okay, great. Maybe I should like it yeah. happened. Like all these things happened for a reason. It was an organic um, process. Had, exactly. And so that is what literally like kept me going with the why. Now, with that being said, the burn that's why the burnout ended up happening outside the business because my only shining light was the actual business. Right. Um, and so when it turns comes to how I help my clients avoid burnout, I work with people with existing businesses. And so not people in like the beginning stages, but let's say like usually the reason why they call me the business defibrillator. Ideal world, an ideal world people would come to me when they start having symptoms. But what really ends up happening, they come to me when they're on the hospital bed, like Vanessa, I need help. I still want to live, help me, you know? Um, but ultimately I work with people with an existing business where they are on the verge of overwhelm. They're on the verge of, not on the verge, like they are overwhelmed but they're on the verge of quitting from that overwhelm or they're on the verge of, and overwhelms happen in different ways. Like there's a client actually was speaking to right before um, our interview here. We've been working together for the past five months, but originally it was only supposed to be one month, but we connected each other. When she came to me, she has had her business for 14 years and she had, you know, been growing to some amount of time and then she got stagnant income and she was the same income. It was like 120 K per year, every single year, year after year after year and brick and mortar business. So this is not a like, coaching $50,000 profit business. So brick and mortar, $30, $40 items. Um, and she had had her business for a many time, but then her income reached the same a year after year after year for three years in a row. And then she found the fourth year or essentially the fourth year after that whole pattern in 2021, she was reaching the same pattern. And she was like, okay, I'm at a point where I'm, I need to stop hemorrhaging money, trying to get back. Cause she started doing ads and hiring people, all that sort of jazz. So then finally she's like, okay, Vanessa, she literally sent me like, it was a message with caps in it. On Facebook. I'm ready for help, <laughs> like uh, in, in caps, right, on Facebook. Um, and I was at a conference at the time when I saw this message. I was like, oh, okay, you know what? I can miss this workshop seminar. Let's connect. Let's see what's happening. And I was surprised to see her message. And I thought it was great. I was like, oh, what do you need help? Like, what? Okay. And that's when I learned about the whole backstory. And after a month of working together, though, we managed to get her at least $30,000 more in sales. <laughs> and this, this is a brick and mortar business. I would have, this is not a, well, we increased our prices to 20,000 and then we made $30,000 more in sales. Like, no. Yeah. Um, and we actually ended up the year with 43% increase in her sales from the prior year. Incredible. And yeah. we still work together even through this year. We did just had a um, call earlier today. And, but for her, she had reached a point, like when she came, we literally, she was on the phone, just overwhelmed. Like, just like, I, I just, so many stuff happening. I don't even know where to go, right? And she's also one of those like big thinker, creative-minded, visionary, artistic type people as well. And so a lot of the times, all the ideas get in the way of actually taking action. Mm. And ultimately, they just get overwhelmed and they don't want to take action. Um, and so that's what happened with her was that she didn't even know where to start though. That's the thing. And so yeah. she like kind of like had all these things that she wanted to do, but then the present sense, things weren't working. So it was like, it's all this all stuff happening, right? So helping her with a clear defined strategy not actually answer your question. How do I help my clients avoid burnout? Um, I have a 13-step framework um, that I use with my clients and it's called the Hustle and Breathe framework. And what I do with them is I help them navigate through their marketing, streamlining their marketing, 
um, strategy, their business model and strategy, as well as their time strategy. And for we cover all those three areas. Different people will start in different places. Um, but ultimately for her, for my client, this, this client just talked about, for her, we started with the marketing strategy. And then we then were able to have discussions as we continue to work together on like the business model. Cause now she like um, got another property as well for the business. Um, started another business with a friend of mine, with a friend of hers, um, an Airbnb and all this other stuff as well. And then her husband and family wanted to do another business as well too. So helping her just navigate that whole business model. Then we went into time strategy as well. So giving her to understand more about self-care and what it meant for her. And like she, um, today she mentioned, tomorrow I'm getting my hair and nails done. Um, but she has uh, her market opens every weekend. So she has her market opening this weekend. Um, but she's going to take some time for to get her hair together because uh, yeah. that's what she needs for herself to take care of herself. And so that's the high level specific things that I do um, for the time strategy pieces. The main three things when it comes to the time strategy, it is a habit building thing, too. So it's not just a, a lot of people. It's it takes forming habits, it takes a different mm-hmm. mindset and mindsets don't necessarily change in like a week or a minute. Right. Sometimes it, it takes it takes a they might have the initial aha and light bulb after a minute. But then to sustain it, <laughs> you yeah. got to keep on working it and flexing the muscle. And so for her, for, for actually all my clients also, it's like helping them understand the non-negotiables, helping them understand um, like how to fit in their non-negotiables, right? Yeah. Help them to understand, like some people will be like, I know I want sleep, but I can't fit it in, right? Like, like, like this is an example, right? People are like, I need to sleep. I know I want to sleep. I should probably be sleeping. But they like just, the next step is like, okay, you want sleep. Okay, how do you fit that in, <laughs> right? And so yeah. taking that next step, right? And fitting that in and working through their success schedule. I call it a success schedule um, within my business where it's like we work through like, what is that schedule for them that aligns their business and their life together in a way that is most calm and peaceful and productive for them while they also confidently hustle at the same time. Um, and so it is, cause yeah, we gotta get stuff done. We in the process, you know, be calm, be peaceful, but also get stuff done. Like we're not out here gonna, we're not slacking here, right? Um, but we are making sure that we are being profitable and productive. So with that being said, um, those are sort of the the like the more time things. But uh, when it comes to the business model and the marketing strategy, that is just literally me using my strategic mind, my direct demeanor. I have no issues telling people when they need to change or switch things up um, and how they need to switch it up. And, and also for my, the client I just mentioned, she also had a team of people she was working with. And so part of the work that we did with her was also looking at, okay, I was like, okay, you have this ad person, you need to tell them to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C. But maybe this ad person is not well with strategy. Maybe they're just like following some sort of template thing. Yeah. But here's what you need to tell them. Because clearly they just need a little guidance and help. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's totally fine. Um, and so stuff like that nature in terms of leadership. None of my clients, um, when it came to leadership, I was just like, so it sounds like you're being a micromanager. Um, <laughs> it's that Massachusetts in us. We can't help it. Like, sounds like you're being a micromanager. Um, but let's work. And the thing, and actually, it's funny I bring this up now because when he talked about that whole story in the beginning, it's like, you know, all the, my bad boss that I mentioned, he wasn't even a micromanager, but I've had other bosses in the past that were micromanagers and I've learned to deal with them. I learned to deal with them the way that, you know, I was able to deal with them um, until eventually I got to this toxic boss, which I feel like was no better, but whatever. Um, with that being said, you know, I was able to use all experiences from corporate America to eventually, you know, inform my client and help her navigate through, okay, how do you be a better micromanager, but also how do you see the perspective of the person who is being micromanaged, right? Yeah. And so like, if you haven't been micromanaged, you probably don't understand like, why it's an annoying, frustrated thing. Um, but I'm here to tell you why it's an annoying, frustrated thing. And being able to help her navigate that and build a better relationship with her team member. 
And so, and that team member is now still a part of the team four months later, and it's great. They have a great relationship and it's awesome now. Now she feels better about it. The person feels yeah. better and it's like, great, right? Um, and so for different clients, it's different like specific pieces, but the main off level is going to be the business, it's a business strategy, marketing strategy, leadership, um, and time as well. And time strategy. Yeah. That's a, a very holistic, big picture approach. It is. It is. That's what my clients say. <laughs> I do give a, I do a holistic approach um, because it's ultimately uh, that we, I think we started this. We started the, the episode. You are the core of your business. And so as a core of your business and the core of your life as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, it is important that you take care of you because otherwise, if you don't show up, no one else is going to show up either. So for my clients, for the work I do with them, it's valuing that perspective and valuing that, you know, I need to show up, ensure that they are showing up holistically. Um, and even during the, the sessions that we have, you know, some clients, they trust me from day one, other clients, it take a few, takes a few sessions, um, but ultimately they then realize, no, Vanessa is here for the whole me. And, you know, it's like, yes, it's sort of a, how do I put this? Like, yes, there's business stuff that may be happening. There's also personal stuff that may be happening. Like one of my clients, um, her mother was actually in the hospital for a couple of weeks, right? And so that impacted her productivity and profitability of her business in a way of being, right? Yeah. Um, and so we had to address that, right? And totally understand that. Um, another one of my clients, you know, she ended up getting COVID, right? So like things like that just happened, but it all impacts and affects. And it's just helping people to see, okay, yes, you have life stuff happen. You don't have to strain yourself with your business, right? And even with your business stuff, just understanding how do you find that balance? I do believe in business life balance. Um, and so it's understanding that you define that. Especially as an entrepreneur and business owner, the reason why you went into business and entrepreneurship is for time and financial freedom. So as such, you should probably try to get time and financial freedom. And you don't have to wait 20, 30, 40, 50 years for that. You can still have it. You can have it today. Even if, you're, if you don't have a mansion with like $2 million in sales in your business, you can still have time and financial freedom today. Right. And it's about understanding how do you set that common piece within yourself and also reflect that in your environments that you are in as well. Amen. <laughs> I just keep coming back to this statement that you are you are the core of your business. You are the core of your life. You are the core of your business. So easy to forget that. It is. It is indeed. And a lot of people, you know, they reach burnout because it's a sense of not having agency around it. And yeah. we, we talked about that a little bit. Like people feel like they don't have the agency, they don't have the control. Right. And the thing is that you do, you don't have control over everything. That you, you can't control time, for example. Like you can't control time. You can't control but a toxic boss, but no, but you can control yourself. Right. And you can control how you're navigating it. Right. And I remember, I forgot to mention that. I remember one of the things I also did in the beginning um, about that toxic boss was I said, okay. This person is not really for me. So instead of staying up, staying at work until 7 p.m. every single night, instead of doing the most for like less, right? Yeah. Let, I, I literally made a commitment. It was month, I think it was month five. I started the commitment. I was just like, okay, 4.30 p.m. shuttle. I'm going to be on the 4.30 p.m. shuttle. Everything. And the shuttle doesn't wait for anyone. So 4.31, you miss the shuttle, right? So 4.30 p.m. I had to be at the shuttle <laughs> to get my seat on the shuttle, right? And make my way on home. And so 4.30 p.m., I made sure I was on that shuttle, leaving the office to get to the to the train station to make it to Oakland, California, where I live. Um, and so 4.30 p.m. shuttle. I was like, every single day, 4.30 p.m. And it was probably every couple of months, I would stay in the office until 6 p.m. So that was like, what, twice? <laughs> right? Yeah. Within the next year. But ultimately, it was 4.30 p.m. shuttle. That's it. I love 4.30 that. p.m. shuttle. Off to home. Left my laptop at the desk, too. <laughs> Left the laptop at the desk at the office. 
when I went home, I used my own laptop for business. And that was the, that's what I did. I said, okay, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. Yeah. I'm going to make it work. And that was the first, that's probably the, the second thing I did to make, try to make things work. But yeah. Yeah. I love that. So how do people find you? Oh, great question. Oh, we done already? Okay. Well, we are. <laughs> Facebook and LinkedIn uh, is the best way to reach me. So people can connect me Facebook or LinkedIn. Vanessa Zami, find my name, you'll find me or Google me. Um, but yeah, Facebook and LinkedIn, and I'm happy to connect and reach out. I also offer complimentary underwhelm your overwhelm business sessions for 20 minutes. And so if you are looking to see, okay, what's the next step for you? You have a specific situation. You are, you know, trying to navigate and understand. Okay, I'm at this place in my business what is the right next step for me? What is a clear path forward for me based on where I am? Happy to connect with you further. And so you can schedule that at power.vzami.com. That's V, and my last name, Z-A-M-Y.com. I also offer, if you want more details on the Hustle and Breathe framework, that I offer do a whole class every Tuesday evening, 6 p.m. Eastern. And so I think that link is included in the show notes. Um, but yourbusinessrevival.com, how to go to fruition in business without burnout. I love it. And as per usual, all the links will be in the show notes and easy for you to find. Vanessa, thank you for reminding us to center ourselves today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having this great platform as well to help people navigate that. So yes. All right, Fried fans, that wraps us up for the week. Be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and we will see you in the Facebook group. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.